0: Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences.
1: Go. You go. Oh, no. No messing about. We've been told. Straight into the story. Okay. On the 21st of March 2008, Warren Mayer and his wife Zee, that's who this story is about, travelled to the Heelsville area, which is a. How do I describe Heelsville? It's an area in Victoria. Semi-rural. It's like a. Semi rural. Semi mm. Bit foresty. There's a sanct- an animal sanctuary there. There is. You can swim with the platypus. Um. Just one off? Yeah, I did it for a news story once. You have to wear waders and you go into a tub and the platypus swims around you. It's cute. I don't reckon the platypus wants that. It doesn't at all. It's offended. Anyway, so they went to Healesville with a group of close family friends uh, for an Easter holiday weekend. Now, they stayed at a caravan park and on the 22nd of March, so the day one day in, the group attended the restaurant for dinner. And they were obviously all talking. Warren was in good spirits and told everyone he was going to go for a bushwalk the following morning. Mm -hmm. On the morning of the 23rd of March, Warren woke at 7 a.m. for the planned bushwalk. He informed his wife the walk would take approximately three to four hours and he would meet up with the group at the RACV club, which is... Mm -hmm. Say a restaurant for lunch around one o'clock. All oh, sounds very reasonable so far. Warren showered, ate breakfast, and left the caravan park at approximately seven forty-five a.m. Mm-hmm. He was wearing light shorts and a t-shirt, sports socks, and walking shoes. He took a backpack with him containing a map, mm-hmm. a handheld GPS, a mobile telephone, and some snacks. Mm-hmm. Warren did not arrive for lunch. Mm. He's meant to meet them at one. Mm. At four o'clock, the group attended the, uh, the, the car park and found Warren's station wagon was still there and it was locked. At this point, Z, Mayor, the wife, contacted police and reported him missing. Ooh, A later gosh. inspection of his vehicle confirmed it had not been touched and that Warren had taken his backpack with him. At the time of his disappearance, Warren was 57 years old and they lived with his wife. They had two children, Renee and Julianne. Warren was a consultant civil engineer. He had his own business, and at the time that business was very successful and he mm. was financially secure. Yeah. Warren was described as a loving family man. He was fit and healthy and he'd participated in heaps of bushwalks before. So right. it wasn't like people go missing, they have they don't know that area, they're yeah. inexperienced. He knew what he was doing. The immediate search, the immediate search for Warren ran for five days with approximately 150 personnel on foot. They had the air wing, the mounted branch, motorcycle, sniffer dogs, electronic tracking, just everyone was out looking for Warren. That would be the most desperately painful thing, wouldn't wouldn't it? it? Just
0: waiting and waiting and hoping. Waiting for your husband to turn up for lunch and he never does. And do you stay where you were so they know where to come to or do you go out and look for them?
1: Well, well, that's the thing. And there's always that uh, when bushwalkers go missing, don't they say that they often end up just kind of in the same small area, just mm. getting lost and don't know north, south, east, west. You kind of don't know really. Mm. They don't walk for ages out of the area often. In one direction. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they were trying to track his phone because he had taken his phone um, with him. Now, he was never found.
0: Oh,
1: no. He was never, ever found and that search was called off. Now, remember, this is 2008. Yeah. Fast forward to 2012. Four years later. Hang on. Yeah. 2008. Four years. Yeah. Nothing has ever been found from Warren. In 2012, his wife made an application for an inquest into her husband's death. So Mm -hmm. she wanted people to review what had been happened, what had been happened, what had happened. The review was called the Goddard Review. It conducted a full review of the initial police investigation and any identified breaches of the relevant Victorian police uh, policies and procedures. It concluded that the initial five-day search of the Mount Dom Dom area was an efficient and effective search response and that during the search, all general missing persons avenues of inquiry were conducted. Is that normal? Like, Is, is,
0: is that implying that the police didn't do the search properly?
1: Well, uh, it, when someone dies in really any kind of circumstance, the family can request a review. Well, we don't know that he's dead. Well, we don't. Hmm. They also uh, considered Black Saturday. I've mentioned this in a previous episode. They were massive fires that swept through that area. Oh, Lots of people okay. yeah. died. So advice was provided to the Goddard to Detective Senior Sergeant Goddard by the Homicide Squad, the Missing Persons Unit, and the Phoenix Task Force. That was the Black Saturday investigation team. Then in February 2009, areas in and around were engulfed by the Black Saturday bushfires. As part of that investigation, they wanted to know if they'd found any bones um, that perhaps weren't identified, Mm -hmm. but they concluded that there were no unidentified deceased persons found after that bushfire. Mm Mm-hmm. They looked at DNA. In July 2009, samples were taken from the children and they were lodged. They were eventually, because the technology had to advance, they yeah. were checked. Uh, Mr. May's dental records were also provided and stored with the investigation file, and nothing came from that. They looked into his finances. An extensive financial review of Warren May's financial situation was completed by the manager of professional standards. The financial profile indicated that in the years leading up to the disappearance, Warren had been effectively employed by the company, both as a director and a company secretary. Um, They didn't find anything. Nothing dodgy? Nothing dodgy. No? Bank okay. accounts controlled by Warren himself or with his wife had a balance in excess of $769,000 in it when he disappeared. Good gosh, heavens. He didn't have, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. He didn't have any credit defaults. He'd always paid his bills on time. So they looked at all that. Mm. Nothing. They analysed the tracks. So the walk to Dom Dom Summit is recognised of moderate difficulty. Mm. Takes approximately two hours in either direction. So his original estimate of four hours was correct. Yeah. How far could he have got, though? For a person of Warren's bushwalking experience, it would not have been challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, They located a number of maps. Let me get this right. Located a number of... Topographical maps. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Yes, of the surrounding area. That shows and like where all the hills and one of them was mm-hmm. missing. So they knew he'd taken it with him. Ah. Um, it is not known which track Warren took, but indicated that there were two likely options, and Warren knew them. Hmm. So very familiar. Um, The family indicated it was characteristic of Warren to choose a known option when he hiked alone. Mm -hmm. There were, however, varying views as to whether Warren would leave a track. So would he stray from there? They also looked at cobwebs on the track. This formed part of the investigation. Reference had been made in the statement of an associate who'd been with uh, Warren that weekend Michael Cow to cobwebs that had been sighted on the track. It was believed Warren was planning to travel. Michael Cow and other males arrived in his four wheel drive and started to drive around the tracks looking for Warren shortly after his disappearance. Michael recalled that police search and rescue had told them that when they went up to the mountain track to search for Warren, he could not have gone that way as those cobwebs were still there. Oh, okay. I was wondering what the cobwebs were. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay. So there were still cobwebs across that
0: i hate cobwebs same Uh, it's the um,
1: worst feeling when you walk through them too you just want to jump out of your skin it's horrible and because the dog is old we can't Mm. just let
0: him and we've got snakes in our garden we can't just let him go out we have to take him out and if i take him out at night or first thing in the morning i always forget to look up and get covered because you immediately think where's the
1: spider is it on my back I'm not even that worried about the spider. It's just the sticky, 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 sticky. So even though the cobwebs were across those tracks, they still broke through them and searched that area. Mm -hmm. But that was an important part. Now, the next thing they considered was a man called Anthony Williams. Now, Detective Senior Constable Walls from the Alexandra Criminal Investigation Unit initially reported information that an involuntary psychiatric escapee had been sighted in the vicinity of Dom Dom Saddle between the 20th and 24th of March. That's exactly when he went missing and that he had been recaptured and returned to care. Now, they were initially concerned that Warren may have met with foul play um, with Anthony Williams implicated and a search warrant for Anthony Williams' home home was executed, but they didn't find anything of interest. Now, he spoke, Anthony Williams, when spoken to police, by police, he said he was picked up by a camper. A call out, they put a call out to witnesses, and that camper came forward and said, yes, I picked up this man um, and totally... Which man, the escapee or...? Um, the escapee, oh. and totally verified his story. Oh, goodness. I know, right? Where's Warren. Shooting?
0: Are you going to tell us in the end where Warren is? Because I'm going to be so unsatisfied with this
1: podcast if you don't. They then considered the. Um, Kirsten, you tell her. The. She's Worry that there were illegal shooters in and around that area. Oh dear. Police released this information to the media in April 2008, including the theory that Warren may have been struck mm. um, by a stray bullish. Um, A man who initially reported hearing out of control shooting gave a statement to police and he said that he'd heard shots in the direction of uh, the Monda track at approximately three o'clock on that Saturday that Warren went for a walk. He said it was a high caliber weapon Mm. and the shooting went on for two hours. Oh, this doesn't sound good. If Warren fell victim to an accidental shooting, it, was, it would be most likely that some evidence of this would have been discovered, though. That's what the police concluded. Mm. They also considered that he may have had a medical event. They went through his phone to see where it was last um, pinging. But wouldn't it ping off the same tower? I mean, you would think out and that's a reasonably
0: remote area. Mm. would just ping off the same tower, wouldn't it? Well, but then I suppose it would show if he tried to make yeah, calls. Yeah, mobile or... phone
1: evidence is so hard to pinpoint where people mm. are. But it, then I wonder whether they could look and see, you know, like mm. if if, there, if it was
0: going call, call, call within a space of a few minutes, that would indicate there was some sort of emergency.
1: They also considered something they called the Ellis photo. Jeffrey Ellis gave a statement to police on the 30th of April 2009 saying he had cited an individual he believed to be Warren Mayer on the 4th of April 2008 at the Hotel Miramar in Santa Margarita. Jeffrey Ellis stated that this man was sitting with a female reading a book and that he did not approach him or talk to him. Jeffrey Ellis spoke to hot- hotel staff who told him the man was speaking German. He took a photo of the person from approximately 10 to 15 meters away. The family submitted that that evidence should be discounted completely. So that's a. This person has mm. said they've seen him, I'm pretty sure in Italy. Oh. I'm yes. assuming it was some
0: town nearby. No. Oh, really? Italy.
1: But the family have said
0: there's wasn't just him. no
1: way that could be him. Well, they would know Um it. Correct. The coroner followed up with that person and said um, he said he no longer had that photo, that it had disappeared with his phone. Obviously, people change phones all the time mm. and they couldn't enhance it enough uh, to really mm. make out that it was him. Yeah. Um, Warren has been the focus of many missing persons weeks. Uh, that's his, We have those in Victoria. or well, they have them all around the country mm. where they dedicate a week to missing people and mm. it, the kind of the images of all those missing people are pummeled through the media to try and get leads and rewards uh, offered. And to your dismay, Dee Dee, Warren has never been found. Oh, really? Mm. So where's your theory? I don't know.
0: Annoying? So, well, no, not no. Well, but yes, all, annoying, this is my but... thing,
1: right? This is why I did this story because mm. there's no dead body. The, the feeling that you that have, yep. Imagine what the family feel. Oh, I, it would be the most awful thing. They've got nothing. That's terrible.
0: I don't know why my mind's going to that movie with what Angelina if... Jolie with a little boy, and then they give her back a different little boy.
1: They've done such a thorough investigation. Yeah. Um, the family, I must say, I. I believe they've done an article saying they feel let down by the police. Um, do you think someone picked him up? I mean, you would have to look at all of the traffic in and
0: out of the area. I suppose that's the most basic thing. They would have done that. Mm. What cars were coming in and out. But what I wonder what CCTV there would have been then, you know, of cars Probably going along roads. Probably not a lot. Because um, that's what they would do if it was a movie, wouldn't they? They'd go, oh, there's that black car.
1: At the end of the coronial inquest, the coroner said, Having investigated the suspected death of Warren and having considered all of the available evidence, I am satisfied that no further investigation is required. Although I have no direct evidence, the circumstantial evidence satisfies me that on the balance of probabilities, Warren likely died from unknown causes on or after the 23rd of March 2008 when hiking. Clearly his body or remains have never been found. Mm. I mean, I can't think if they, you know if it's rugged, how rugged
0: that area is. But if there's cliffs, or could he've fallen down something, or would there be mine shafts? You just don't know. You just
1: don't know. But isn't mm. that incredible that you can be how married to someone yeah. for all those years? That's your dad. That's you know. And then all of a sudden, they're gone, and you will never know what happened to them. It's awful. It would be a torturous way to live your life. Mm. I just couldn't cope.
0: No, I find those missing persons actually. I was watching um, before I came in to record today, the that show Long Lost Family, Mm. where, and there was one. I just I don't know why my husband lets me watch it because I cry every single time, and it was a a. a, a girl who got pregnant, and she was working as a as a like a housekeeper for this couple. She knew that she couldn't raise the baby herself, so she gave it to the couple, oh. and so they were reunited. Oh, cried, I cried, I cried, Now I couldn't help it. I cried. Oh, no, I it? It. Uh, cried. oh dear, oh did I cry? Cried. cried. <laughs> Seventy-six-year-old Michael firety
1: Oh shit, we've gone straight into an accent.
0: <laughs> he was. A poor Michael was found burned to death at his home in Ballybane in Galway, Ireland. Investigators were baffled as to what caused the fire.
1: It's not a bad Irish accent, I'll say. It's not offensive and it's not bad. Continue. Mr. Farty was found lying on his back in the sitting
0: room with his head close to an open fireplace. Back. Unrelated into an Irish family. Found lying on his back. The uh, the only damage was – I feel like it's disrespectful if I keep going. Okay. The only damage was to the body. So hang on. I'm going to start again what? without being silly. So okay. okay. 76-year-old Michael Farrity. Just touch there it. There was now, a little. Sorry. Can't help it. Farrity. So they found his body in his house. He was burned to death.
1: hmm
0: But they couldn't work out how he had burned to death because – so the body is on its back. Mm-hmm. He's on his back. His head is near the fireplace, and the only thing burned in the room was the body. Is his body. Got you. Mm. Um, so he's been burned. So the body was totally bur- burnt. Body's gone. Got you. The ceiling above the body was a little bit damaged, mm. and the floor underneath the body was also burned. Mm. But that was it. So the forensic experts came in, they said, that fire was not caused by the fireplace. There was no traces of any accelerant in the room, and there was nothing to suggest any sort of foul play. So, the West Galway coroner, for the first time in his twenty-five years of investigating deaths, recorded a verdict of death as a result of spontaneous combustion.
1: combustion.
0: Now, this uh, particular episode, I'm doing for uh, somebody who wrote in to us. And his name is, it's not Irish, it's Scottish, and I don't think I can I switch accents that easily. Oh,
1: I can't do Scottish, go.
0: Sheamus MacDonald.
1: Sounds the same. It
0: sounds like the Irish. I'd have to hear a Scottish one. I'd have to hear Billy Connolly
1: talking to be able to do it. Can I just say something? Forensic? Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The people that do forensic investigations on fires, Mm. they're incredible. They are amazing because everything's gone. Everything's gone. I had a. Um, I went to a house fire as a journo, and I. Oh, am I going to get people in trouble? Don't think so. And I'd I'd been sh- showing no, up on crime worrying. scenes for yeah. quite a while at this <laughs> point. I'd been around, and one of the forensics said, "Want me to walk you through the crime scene?" I oh, said, yeah, "Yeah, shit, I do." And he took me in and showed me how they work out where the ignition point is and how he goes, yep, you can see that this house fire has started right here. He took me into the laundry. It's, he goes, how like, do they do it? They just know. And it's got to do with he was showing me, oh, you can see, like there's a lot of ashy bits here and blah, blah, blah. You can tell. So, And they worked out. And the house fire had only, it was like, you know, the, it happened at night and it was the morning after. Yeah, They had worked out in that short amount of time you know those scooters without the handles? What are they called? Like oh, the back um, to the future scooter things that yes. people. Oh, it won't come to me. It's I know just the like a bar with wheels on either side. Yeah. You put your feet on it. A Segway. Yes, without Ish. the handle part. Okay. Um, the kids had been charging them in the laundry and plugged like two of them, battery oh. packs, into a, a, a bloody. It's extender. Why can't I talk? Why don't I know what anything is? Because you haven't eaten today. Chanel today
0: has only had, and it's, we're in the evening as we're recording this, she's had a piece of carrot cake and is halfway through a bag of lollies.
1: I've been so busy. I haven't eaten, so I can't. I'm so lucky I wasn't live on television tonight because I would have really effed Murder. up. Murder. Murder. That's all I would have been able to say over and over again while I'm <laughs> shaking my head. Anyway, they'd plugged all this stuff into a... Electrical board, yeah. it had overheated, set the whole house on fire, and they walked me through the whole crime, saying, "Yeah, it went up here, it went up that wall, did it they went get into out? the, did
0: they die? Everyone got out. Oh,
1: thank goodness." Mm. But those forensic investigators of fires are incredible.
0: Uh, so deaths attributed to spontaneous combustion. I feel
1: like I remember that's as not a kid, a thing. that's not a thing.
0: Yes, it is. Do you remember as a kid there was always like a. a, a gory book somewhere in the library or somewhere and you'd just stare at it, a murder book or something, and a picture of an old lady, but not the old lady, but a burnt patch and then the feet were still there, but not the old lady. No. I just remember seeing it when I was a kid. I've always been interested in such things. Uh, so spontaneous combustion, it occurs when a living human body is burned without an apparent external source of ignition. Mm. Uh, Professor Bernard Knight in his book on forensic pathology says, Spontaneous combustion um, cases are almost always near an open fireplace or chimney. Mm -hmm. And another professor, Professor of Pathology, Mike Green, said he would not use the term spontaneous combustion as there has to be some source of ignition. But they're just the most intriguing cases. November 2015.
1: Yep. Not long ago.
0: Yeah. A woman was sitting on a park bench in Germany in a town called Flensburg. What? What? And she burst into flames. No, she didn't. Yes, she did. Is
1: this bullshit?
0: No. Witnesses saw fire and smoke coming from the the woman in her 40s.
1: This could happen to any of us.
0: She was left severely burned despite the best efforts of a passerby who tried to beat out the blaze with his jacket. Witnesses said the woman didn't say anything. That's even. That's Do you reckon she was worse.
1: quietly, really getting angry at someone in her brain, and then she just burst into flames?
0: Well, that's what it's like, isn't it? I feel like
1: sometimes I'm so mad at people, mainly Nicholas, that I could just burst into flames. That's yeah. the only time I could think about it happening. Otherwise, how does it happen? And would it
0: start? Where would the fire start in your body? What part of the body?
1: Right in my brain.
0: Yep. Not in your heart.
1: Can I – I'm not a doctor. We all know this. Inside your body is wet.
0: We'll get to the body part. Okay. Don't worry. I won't just leave you hanging. Oh, you're going to explain it. Uh, Prosecutors wouldn't rule out suicide in that case of that particular woman. So they left it open that it possibly had been a suicide. One witness claimed to have seen two men fleeing the scene shortly before the incident. Um, But the public prosecutor said there was no evidence that pointed to a third-party fault. I'll give you some more cases. 1951, and I think this is the picture that I... Oh, no, it's the next one that I saw. Um, 1951, a woman by the name of Mary Reeser. She was a 67-year-old. She was found burned to death in her house... After so her landlady came along to her apartment or her room and realized that the doorknob was unusually warm. Oh Christ. Opened up. There's burn, burn, burn mark. The landlady called the police and the police found Mary Reese's remains completely burned into ash, just one leg remaining. What? The chair she'd been sitting in was destroyed. They investigated. They said that the temperature had reached around about uh, it was 3,500 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's 1,930 degrees Celsius. So they were absolutely puzzled. Everything else in the room was intact. She'd taken sleeping pills. She was also a smoker. So one theory was that she was smoking a cigarette after taking the sleeping pills. The mm. pill she fell asleep while holding Drop the burning ciggy. cigarette, which set her dressing gown on fire, which led to her death. That's common. They found what falling asleep with cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't smoke in bed. Don't that's, smoke. How about that? That's common. Unless you want to, in which case, go ahead. The the Her particular case, the fire had burned a socket which had stopped the clock at 2.26 a.m. So they oh, were they able knew. to pinpoint her. Yep. Another case, Margaret Hogan, 89-year-old widow.
1: Is the other one a widow?
0: We've got three women. Woman on the park bench, 40. Uh, we've got two elderly women here at 89 and 67. The first one was an elderly man. There's a little thread of commonality there. Uh, Margaret Hogan, 89 year old widow, she lived alone, alone in a house on Prussia Street in Dublin. She was found burned, almost to the point of complete destruction. This was in 1970. Mm. Plastic flowers on a table in the center of the room had turned to liquid, and television had a melted screen. So that was about 12 feet away from the, the armchair. Heat. Yep, where she'd been sitting. Uh, Her two feet and both legs from below the knees were undamaged. Ooh, so she burned just down to to the knees. There had been a small coal fire in the grate when a neighbour left the house the previous day, but they are saying that there was no connection between the fire and the one in which she died. So her inquest recorded her death by burning, with the cause of the fire listed as unknown. Another case, Henry Thomas, 73-year-old man, found burned to death in the living room of his house on the Rassau Estate in South Wales. In 1980, his entire body was incinerated, leaving only his skull and a portion of each leg below the knee. What? The feet and the legs. Can you imagine finding this? The feet and the legs still had the socks and the trousers on them.
1: Would that feel like burning from the inside? I had really bad into like you In know, when you eat you feel like your food's sitting at the top of your stomach mm. and it hurts when you breathe.
0: I think that's just a fart waiting to come out.
1: Well that it's was last night actually... and I did go to the bathroom. I felt better. But I feel like if you get a doctor, burn from the inside it would start to feel be awful. it. Beautiful. I think like it starts
0: the on start. the outside. So half of the chair it starts that... on the outside. Well, wait on. Half of the chair that Henry had been sitting in was also destroyed. So the police forensic officers decided that the incineration of Thomas was due to what they called the wick effect. The most recent, just before I get on to that, the most recent reported case of, they call it SHC for short, Spontaneous Human Combustion, SHC we'll call it, Okay. The most recent case was 17th September 2017 in Tottenham in North London a 70-year-old pensioner mm. John Nolan from County Mayo in Ireland he appeared to spontaneously burst into flames while walking in the street No mm. passers by tried to help him he was airlifted to hospital he died the next day having suffered severe third degree burns but in this particular case they were able to conclude that he had probably accidentally set fire to himself while lighting a cigarette. Right. So the cause of death in his case was accidental ignition Mm. of clothing. So I think that's slightly different. Right. So spontaneous human combustion is the term for the concept of the combustion of a living or recently deceased human body without an apparent external source of ignition. The fire is believed to start within the body of the victim. Uh, This whole idea... Was first proposed in 1746 uh, in an article in the.
1: Yeah, but they didn't know what they were blah, talking blah, blah. about in no, 1746. No, they
0: didn't. Because I'm just going to skip over that because I don't think they knew what they were talking about. More recently, the British Medical Journal, 1938, an article by L.A. Parry um, talked about the common characteristics between people who'd who'd apparently died from spontaneous combustion. So a lot of them have these in common. They were on fire. There's that, yes. (laughs) A lot of the time they're chronic alcoholics. Oh. They're usually elderly females, although we had a male to start with, didn't we? Um, They say the body has not burned spontaneously, but some lighted substance has come into contact with it. The hands and the feet usually fall off. The fire often causes very little damage to combustible things that are in contact with the body, like you know, it doesn't set the carpet alight and the carpet lights mm, the whole room for some you. reason. Um, and the combustion of the body leaves a residue of greasy and fetid ashes very offensive in odour. So the alcoholism is believed to be, in fact, in the in the Victorian days, they talked about spontaneous combustion and they thought that it was caused by alcoholism. There was a massive uh, research project done um, in 1984 by a science investigator by the name of Joe Nickel and a forensic analyst, John F. Fisher. Uh, their po- report was published in the Journal of the International Association of Arson Investigators and they concluded that the burned bodies were in close proximity to plausible sources for ignition, so candles, lamps, fireplaces. Got you. Um, and. They say that often those sorts of things were left out of the reports because it makes, like a news report, because it makes for a more exciting story if it's just a body out of nowhere. It does. Um, They say that quite often the victims were probably intoxicated or incapacitated in some other way, like sleeping pills or something. Let me see. Oh, they're saying that sometimes. External fuel sources like the stuffing from a cushion or something or floor coverings might contribute to it. Um, but they refer to melted fat. So if the person was overweight.
1: So you've got to be overweight and an alcoholic,
0: alcoholic. And be smoking. Possibly. If you're fat, On a lot of sleeping pills. As the body burns, it yields more liquefied fat in a mm. process known as the Wick. Effect and they say it's off you, (laughs) it's horrible. So, don't smoke, don't drink too much, and don't be fat, and you're okay. Um, I've eaten a lot of carrot cake and lilies today.
1: Other oh, two, I'm good. You won't
0: need to eat after this. They say that, now, this was another study done in 2002. When human tissue is burned, mm. the resulting flame, so they must have burned some bits of body to test it. The resulting flame produces a small amount of heat, indicating that a fire is unlikely to spread from the burning tissue. Hang on, there's all this stuff here. I'm just Oh, another guy, um, a skeptic by the name of Benjamin Radford, he sets a load of puppy cock. He said, if it's real, how come people aren't bursting into flames all the time? Yes, There's five billion people in the world. He said, why don't they just, you know, burst into flames at in the footy That's or what I stuff. think. But they have been. People on park benches and stuff. Um, almost all of the cases involve people with low mobility because mm-hmm. they're older or they're obese. Cigarettes are often the cause of the fire. Now, one of them in particular... The hypothesis was that the person was burning a cigarette, fell asleep, and that if their la- hands were in their lap, that it then burns that sort of area oh, in the lap, you. the clothing there, which it catches on fire. Sp- <laughs> I'll read here, splitting the skin and releasing subcutaneous fat, which is in, a, in, a turn, uh, in turn absorbed into the burning clothing, acting as a wick. So in other words, body starts burning, clothes start burning, Body splits open, fat turns liquid, pours out and gets onto the surrounding clothing, the melted fat, which then makes the surrounding clothing then go up and burn everything very quickly and fast. Yes, They say the feet typically don't burn because they have the least amount of fat. And hands don't have much fat, but they might burn because if they're sitting on the abdomen at the Mm. time, that's why they do. Uh, And then there's one other theory, and that is ketosis. This was proposed by Brian J. Ford, and I can't remember exactly who he is in the scheme of things. He said um, that alcoholism or low-carb dieting produces acetone, which is highly flammable and could therefore lead to apparent spontaneous combustion. And then... Oh look there was another stupid theory from some bloke but some bloke called Michael Harrison he wrote a book called Fire from Heaven and he suggested that it was spontaneous human combustion was connected to poltergeist activity the poltergeist originates um needs energy to work yeah don't, let's just discount him because that's no. hilarious okay and South Park and Kirsten I know that when she puts this episode together we'll find this so in South Park they did an episode. Do you watch it? I love it.
1: No. You know? oh, I've seen parts of it. What's I used to watch best? it back in
0: the day. I don't watch it now. All right. When you listen to this episode back if you do, and I don't imagine you do.
1: No, I do. I listen do to you ever all- Yeah, listen? I listen to all of them. I do too. Hmm.
0: Uh, They did an an episode called Spontaneous Combustion. Uh, In that episode, several of the South Park characters die from spontaneous human combustion. It's later discovered that that's a result of people holding in their farts. And in the DVD commentary for that episode, Trey Parker, who's one of the writers, creators of South Park, he reveals that flatulence causing spontaneous combustion in the episode stemmed from his own serious belief that holding in farts can indeed cause humans to spontaneously combust kirsten
2: thank you um you know obviously spontaneous combustion is something a lot of people have heard about and it i mean our theory in this was that it's people that don't fart enough that basically because farts are flammable
1: kids go ahead
2: and try it at home you can see you can light farts take a lighter and fart and you'll see that you'll it, it will light and so you can imagine that if you hold that in enough you know like a a lot of women that don't, you know, don't let it rip all, uh, when they should, you know, and as much as they should, they don't realize that, you know, that can build up and it can become flammable. I honestly think that could be what spontaneous combustion is. Yeah, there's no other explanation for i really. Because seen, I've seen some dudes light their farts and the fireball was big and that was just one, one fart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I think it's totally possible. Bless you,
0: Trey Parker.
1: He's probably more qualified than some of those other idiots. (laughs) What about the poltergeist guy? I know it's a
0: ghost causing you to die.
1: Um, quick story that I've just remembered. Uh, I don't know why Nicholson and I do this, but we do. So we live together, obviously, and we get ready together in the morning, and then we leave the house, and then he calls me to talk on the way to work. Is this going to be
0: about murder or a fart? A fart.
1: Dead body. Oh, what? (laughs) Um. Like we haven't had enough of each other. Sometimes I'm like really up for a chat on that call. Other times I'm like, I'm trying to listen to the radio. I got to go. Listen to the radio, listen to the news, get ready for work
0: Mm -hmm.
1: on my drive-in. Anyway, he calls me. He always leaves before me and he's not okay. Mm. And he goes, I've just seen something horrific. Oh, I think I know. And I said, what did you see? He said, I saw it a dead body, but it was in pieces. Mm. And I said, what? And he said, a motorbike rider Mm -hmm. came off there, clipped a car, came off his bike, and his body got thrown Mm -hmm. under, is it a a B-double? Big truck. A massive, like, semi-trailer on the freeway. And it happened right in front of him. What are the chances? And I was so dismissive of his shock, and this was me on the phone. Oh, that's bad. Oh, yeah, I say that all the time, though. Like, what did you see, though? That's me. That's the way I was talking, like a B-I-T-C-H. And then he goes, oh, it was just like blood, and there were bits. There were bits, Chanel, everywhere, bits on the road. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've stood in that before. It's horrible. (laughs) And he's he's not okay, right? He's going, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't, yeah, i just, hmm. And I was like, you're all right. He goes, oh, it was just, I've never seen anything like it. I go, all right, I've got to go listen to the news. He's getting nothing from you. He's getting nothing from me. And then I, so we hang up, I reflect and I go, oh, you've been a mole, Chanel. He's and then because I heard people calling up the radio, right? Yes. And upset. and people calling up the radio going, I've been a cop for thirty years. I've never seen anything like mm. it. Other people are calling up going, I'm a fiery, that is the most horrific scene I've mm. ever, ever seen. I was like, oh. So I went to work and I looked up our shots, and mm. I was like, oh, that is bad. Mm. And then I rang him back, and I was like, hey, I think I was a bit insensitive before, and I know I see this stuff all the time, but are you okay? And he was like, I can't stop thinking about it. Oh no, it's in my brain. I can't stop thinking what about it. What can you it. do? I wonder if you've nothing. Seen and like it was that. in there and I was like, and then, but mind you, right. I know we all feel sorry for for Nico on this podcast because I want to murder him and he's the lovely yep. man that he is. And then we got home that night and he was all, oh, I think I'm okay. I think I'm desensitized to it. You're not desensitized to it, mate. It doesn't just happen like that after he's you've seen. He's trying to, like he to out-dead
0: body you. Yeah, he
1: was. And I was like, mm. no one can do that. I was like, you're not. I'm desensitized. And then it became this... Dick swinging contest—that's what you call it. <laughs> not that I have one. About who was more desensitized, and he was like, "No, nah, I'm totally fine about it now. I think I'm good. I'm so fine." But I acknowledged that I was poor guy. I was not sensitive to his feelings, and no, I just I forgot a for people, a moment about yeah. how mortifying that was
0: for so many people. Because it, I, the family <sighs> of the victim, just.
1: I don't know oh. what, what was left, but mm. horrible for that family. Mm.
0: Well, Chanel, in the last episode, we heard from Deb and Jamie at the Gimpy Bone Museum who had just taken arrival of a dead, dead body, as most people do in their normal, natural lives. So naturally, we're intrigued. Of course. We need to find out a bit more. And to do that, we have dialed the Gimpy Bone Museum and Jamie's on the line. Hi, Jamie. How are you going? Good. Thank you. So what is the Gimpy Bone Museum?
2: Uh, We're a museum of modern bones and skeletons. So um, our sort of role in the community we see is to teach anatomy, biology and get a bit of real science out in the community.
1: So how many bones do you have there?
2: Oh, now kids like coming through the museum and counting the bones and asking how long things have been dead. I've never asked any (laughs) of the counters to... uh, to give me the, the final tally. Um, but we have several full skeletons of, of different animals and uh, quite a few skulls and a few random bones for the kids to play with as well.
0: Uh, Jamie, do either you or Deb have any particular expertise in this area? Or are you just it, strange, creepy people like Shanel and I are just interested in bones?
2: Yeah, definitely a latter. I mean, Deb's an industrial chemist by training and I'm a, an ecologist.
0: What's that? Um, Oh, ecologist. um,
2: Ecologist, yes. And through our business interests, we found that we had access to some of this material to make specimens from, and we wanted to do something to bring bring some tourism traffic into Gympie before we get bypassed, and we sort of came up with this idea.
1: So how many visitors do you get?
2: We had just over 1,600 visitors in 2018.
1: That's amazing. And where do the bones come from?
2: Most of them are donated. Some of them, when we first started, we live out in the country and uh, we've got a lot of farmland around us, so we jumped in the, the back of, the, the youth of some of our local neighbours and went to the death gullies and picked up bones of cows and sheep and, and that sort of thing to, to get going. Get but, the stocks
1: up, <laughs> yes, collecting bones. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but then that's expanded into farmers in specialty areas uh, donating some material to us, and the local vets have been very keen as well. And we actually have a a donation program that we offer through one of the local vet clinics.
0: So Jamie, in our last episode, we listened to the call from you and Deb, and thank you for doing that. You were telling us in that about Roger the Lodger. So what's the story with Well, who is Roger the Lodger and what's the story with those bones?
2: Uh, Well, we were sort of a bit blown away by the initial contact from the the donor. They'd heard a, a radio interview that we'd done Um, just as we were starting up. And uh, they went, oh, there's a bone museum in Gympie. We have to donate Roger to them. And they um, emailed us. And the story is the donor's father was a doctor and he had to purchase the skeleton as part of his training in the mid-60s. So this family grew up with Roger the Lodger basically inhabiting their house, sitting at their dining room table or uh, taking a a bit of a recline on... um, the brother's bed occasionally, and um, yeah, he's just been part of their family for uh, 50-odd years.
1: Well, it's weird that you mention this because I, in the last episode, uh, found a whole lot of coroner's reports from daughters and sons and people that knew doctors or lived at houses where doctors used to live just walking into police stations and handing in human remains saying, oh yeah, this skull was on the bookshelf for years and I don't know what to do with it, so you can have it.
2: Yes, and it's a a bit of a problem too. Um, You know, the doctors who had to buy these specimens as part of their training generally are leaving behind fairly aged widows at this point in time. (laughs) And um, we have a a customer in Sydney who's in the medical training field and they have little old ladies literally coming in all the time saying, I've got these bones, Um, will you take them off the hands? And because they're attached to medical university, they take them from them. Um, But it's a real problem for them because they're quite hard to dispose of.
0: And what would a skeleton be worth, say, if it's a complete Victorian-era skeleton?
2: Look, I've seen them for for sale in the area of a couple of thousand dollars. But I think technically, legally, um, you're not supposed to buy and sell human remains in Australia. And there's several state-based... Pieces of legislation that, that cover that sort of thing. Um, you can still buy entire skeletons out of China, but um,
1: you probably advise against that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and you got you to think where where the, it's coming the, from. Of them, yes. Um, you yeah. know, just, you know the stories of you know convicted criminals being skeletonised and sold off
0: on the internet. Yeah, there's all sorts of questions about ethics, isn't there? And I'm sure that you're right on top of that. Well listen, thank you for talking to us, Jamie. And the Gympie Bow Museum, obviously in Gimpy, which is just up above Noosa if I've got my Australian geography correct, am I right? Yes. Wonderful. And you're open seven days a week, five days a week, where how when are you open?
2: Tuesday to Saturday at the moment.
0: Okay. If anyone wants to find out more, there is a website. It's gimpybonemuseum.org.au. Thanks for talking to us.
2: That's all right. And uh, all the opening hours, etc., are on the Facebook page and our events that we run outside of the museum as well. So, yeah, pop on by and come and see what you'll look like later.
0: <laughs> That's, use that in your advertising.
2: <laughs> Thanks,
0: Jamie. <laughs> so good. Thank okay, you. Okay. Thank you very much. Dead Bodies is created by DD Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.